Welcome to the Own Your Time podcast. This is the host, Kyle Marcott, and today we are interviewing Jaron Barnes. Jaron Barnes is the Senior Creative Director at retipster.com. For two years of his career, Jaron was responsible for selling 25-plus properties per month. He is also the co-host of the RE Tipster podcast. Welcome to the show, Jaron. It's a pleasure to be here, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, of course, man. It's so great to have you on, and I haven't seen you in a bit, but it's been great. And let me tell you, let me just ask you a question about what is your story? How'd you get started in real estate? How'd you get to the point uh, that you are today? Yeah, man. I mean, really what happened is uh, when I first became an adult, I was really idealistic and I was pursuing a bunch of nonprofit stuff and like kind of quote unquote following my heart. And then long story short, I met a girl that I knew I was supposed to get married to. And uh, I found out that there's this thing called bills. <laughs> And so I had to like actually make sure that I could pay those bills in order to sustain a, a life and family and, and all of that. But I didn't have, uh, I actually dropped out of uh, my freshman year of college because just college wasn't for me. And um, I was like, what's, you know, it was super expensive. I was paying out of pocket, didn't have any scholarships. And I was like, you know what, screw this. I'm just going to go and pursue my passions, man. You know, and then as most people uh, realize when they get older that pursuing your passions doesn't really work out if you don't have money. <laughs> so I had to very quickly without a college degree, figure out a, a source of income. And when I first got married, I was really young. I was two days into being 20 um, when, I, when I got married and it was July 7th actually. So next week will be um, at the time of this recording will be our anniversary. And uh, my birthday is July 5th. So two days into being 20. And I was kind of dragging my wife through the mud for a while there career-wise. I was like, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go do that. And I, I actually ended up um, getting my insurance license and, um, and started pursuing insurance. But a, a month into it, um, I had some friends that had bought into a, a guru course. And I was living in the San Francisco Bay Area at the time. And they convinced me to uh, quit my, my day job, which was salaried plus commission with insurance. It was really good. And they're like, if you, if we do one deal, you can make a hundred thousand dollars. I was like, man, if I make a hundred, if I just sell one, I, I just need to sell one a year. I'm fine. So obviously it's not exactly how it all works out. Maybe in commercial real estate, but for most people in flipping houses, it doesn't work out that way. So I, I literally quit my job and, uh, and started door knocking pre foreclosures that day. Like I walked out of my office, went to from San, San Jose to Milpitas, walked into their office and started door knocking. And um, unfortunately, they had kind of gotten in sync with uh, a really unethical fix and flip company. So it was uh, quite the adventure. Um, I got a lot of properties, at least relative, everything's relative, right? But for me, I got uh, six prop, no, 10 properties in six months of door knocking. And they didn't end up paying me much. Um, if anything, there was like a bunch of stuff that they were doing that was, if I knew what they were doing now, I wouldn't have worked with them. I'll just put it this way. Some of the things that was uh, going on could have uh, had everybody involved end up in jail. So I'm really glad and thankful that I don't work with them, but I'm thankful that I also learned a lot because I learned about grit. I learned about real estate. I actually started a blog called Our, uh, Real Estate Catalyst. Um, and I was documenting my journey in real estate, wrote a review on biggerpockets.com. And this is back in 2014. So that, you know, they were not as big as they are now. Now they're huge, but um, they were still really big. They were the biggest players in the space, but it was just uh, Josh and Brandon at the time. And then a couple of VAs, I wrote a review about them and they got on their radar and they're like, Hey man, thank you so much. And then 
I ended up connecting them with the leader of the bigger pockets meetups in the San Francisco Bay Area. They came out to do a presentation for Google and then kind of did a meet and greet with uh, the bigger pockets meetup connection and, and network in the Bay Area. Uh, got on their radar and they were looking to hire and grow and expand their team. But I didn't want to move to Denver. Josh didn't want another remote employee. Um, we kind of merged our skills together, collaborated, uh, knowing that it was going to be temporary until they found a, a replacement for me. And then I, I helped train my replacement and she's actually still there today. I think she's the senior of content. Or she, she's something. She was the blog editor for a long time, but I don't know what she's doing now. Allison is, uh, is who replaced me. Um, from there, I was kind of at a cross-section between content and real estate, and I ultimately decided to get my real estate license. I moved to Indianapolis, um, and I was going to pursue real estate, but then got hired by a wholesaler named Brett Snodgrass, who owns a company called Simple Wholesaling, to do content marketing stuff for him and help brand his company. Halfway through my time there, I ended up switching to the deal side, and I was the, the lead of dispositions. I was personally responsible for selling 25 to 30 properties a month. And then from there, I started my own land business and ended up working at our tipster. Wow, man. What a journey. My, my whole life. What a yeah. journey, especially, I mean, getting married at 20 is insane. I can't even imagine that. That's, I mean, good for you. And congratulations on the upcoming anniversary as well. Uh, thank you. You know, when you know it's the right person, uh, I kind of, there's pros and cons to every choice you make in life. But I like that I grew up with my wife and that we went through a lot of struggles together. Now we're like best friends. We know each other thick and thin, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. So getting through all those struggles, let's, let's use that as a little segue here. Yeah. What drives you to keep going through? Because it seems like you've had to overcome so very much and you've gone through so many transitions in your career. So what, what drives you through all of that? For good or for bad, my personality is achievement oriented. I just want to make a dent on the universe. Impact is my main driver. And in order for me to make an impact, uh, you have to have a track record that makes people pay attention to you, right? So what do people pay attention to? They pay attention to lots of money. They pay attention to results in whatever vicinity that you get results in, whether it's working out and getting super ripped or if it's getting a bunch of career accolades for if you're pursuing academia or what have you. So I just, I am very, very oriented about wanting to become very, very successful so that people pay attention so that I can make an impact on their life in a positive way. Wow, that's awesome. What about uh, what about making a positive impact on a on a one to one basis? Just being so amazing, like like honestly, just meeting you, man. The way you make me feel as a person, I think, is more impactful than any sort of credentials, any sort of title, any sort of amount of money. So I think that you know maybe that's. I mean, that's just. What are your thoughts on that kind of thing? Like your impact. I think you already have an impact. Is something that I would kind of say to you is is I think you're making an impact on a smaller scale that eventually ripples into a bigger thing. Yeah, I would agree with that. But if I was a bum on the street corner and I like was straight up homeless and we met and I was like telling you stuff, you probably, no matter what I told you, you probably wouldn't value it, right? Because I don't have, there's nothing about my life that you desire or that you find inspiring. But the fact that I'm on a journey and that I've gotten, like I work at Ari Tipster and there's a brand behind my name, you know, et cetera, et cetera. There's those progressions create the influence that I have. And I agree with you to some degree I have, Somebody listens to the Ari Tipster podcast every, every uh, other week when it comes out. Uh, I think right now we're actually doing every week. For a while there, it was every other. But yeah, I mean, somebody's listening. You know, and there's videos that 
I've made Ferrari tips there and stuff that have done pretty well and, and things like that. But my friend invited me to like a Tony Robbins private Facebook group or something uh, earlier today. It's like some like challenge they're doing. They're going to shut down their private Facebook group after like seven days. And I just look at this guy and, you know, his, his arms are stretched out. He's like, Rah! you know, and like everything in me wants to be like a Tony Robbins kind of figure, you know? And it's, uh, it's not always a good thing. It's just honest. That's just, you know, there's a, a large aspect of being unsatisfied and not being content. Like I am probably the most uncontent person you will ever meet. Cause I just, I really want to be that guy that uh, makes a dent in the universe. And so it's a good driver because it keeps me going and it keeps me pushing, but you know, there's, there's a dark side to it too. It just happens to be who I am. Yeah. I mean, my one question for you, and this is just totally me, my personal opinion, and we could yeah. totally cut this as well. But like, no, I, yeah, I, I, I love like the idea that, you know, Tony Robbins wasn't the guy always the fact that he is the guy isn't the reason he's the guy now. It's because of the way that he made people feel on an individual level over time. Mm -hmm. And then that makes you the guy at some point. So if you're striving for the, you know, you're looking at the finger rather than what it's pointing to, you know, just to use that analogy, the Bruce Lee thing, there is a sense of like, yes, you get to be that guy. But the thing is, the only way to be that guy is to really to, to start super small in what you're doing right now. So I almost think like you should be extremely content in what you're doing day to day because you know, the one thing that you say on this podcast that makes someone's day better, that's how you begin the journey to becoming, you know, that guy with his arms spread wide, you know, doing the whole yo whoa clap and stuff. It really does start small and you should really take a lot more um, like content and pleasure in your life because dude, you're doing it, you know? Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate that. And, and that's my, I mean, that's my biggest vice is I, I need to learn to be more present and be more thankful for where I'm at. But on, on the flip side, there is a, a fear there, right? Like if I don't stay in the grind and I don't stay with my nose to the grindstone and pushing forward, then, you know, the whole thing, if you, you reach for the stars, maybe you'll, you'll hit the moon, right? Or however it goes, you aim for the moon, you, you at least hit the stars. And that's the, the drive for me is I, I know that, I mean, money isn't a big motivator for me outside of the fact that you kind of need it to be successful. If you want to influence business owners and influence, you know, like, uh, want to be entrepreneurs or even entrepreneurs or real estate investors, et cetera. Um, you have to have that track record. Um, but outside of the need for that, you know, my biggest thing that I want to be at the end of my life and I want to look back and be like, yes, the world, like there's a guy that I look up to named Robbie Zacharias. He's like um, a theologian kind of guy and he recently died. And th th somebody said about his death that uh, who is like not a Christian or anything like that, but he just was Robbie Zacharias is one of those rare people where the world was better because of him. And I want to be one of those guys. I want the world to be better because I was here. And it might be a pride thing. It might be a super ego thing. No, I think that's a beautiful, beautiful thing, man. And I, I was just trying to get you to focus on the fact that you're already doing that and that you should take some, some joy. And because it's like eating a steak, right? Like, you know, you don't eat the steak and go, oh, that bite was crap. That makes me want to eat more steak. No, you got to be like, oh, that bike was awesome. Let me enjoy how good that bite was. And then you're like, oh, I want to eat even more of this steak. Whereas, yeah, you, don't, you know, you're, you don't take a steak and put it in a blender and drink it in one shot. That'd be nasty. Yeah, yeah, exactly, man. So you got to enjoy the present. And, and it seems like you are to some extent. So it's just awesome. It's just awesome to talk to you. And I love every time we talk to each other, like I went on your podcast, we had a similar discussion where it's like, we definitely have like a different way of looking at the same thing. And it's just interesting to talk to you. So yeah, that's a lot, been a lot of fun. Yeah. But let's, um, let's talk about that 25 properties per month period of your career. That seems like a very interesting thing. And we kind of glossed over that, but that's no small achievement, man. 25 properties a month. What was that all about? What were you doing? Yeah. So I was working for a wholesale operation um, that we were different than most wholesalers though, and that we didn't do any assignment. So we took everything down in house. I think um, we had some private money lenders and, and some stuff, but 
um, the way that Brett always did it was um, he at least put 20% into each deal. So he, he only loaned up to 80% um, using private money. And uh, he just had been doing it by himself for 10 years. So he had built some, somewhat of a, a nest egg with working capital and what have you. And when I first started there, uh, we were around eight to 12 deals a month. And then I helped scale along with a couple other people on the team. We actually had a pretty lean team for how much volume we were doing. I think we had like six to eight people-ish on the team. We helped brand. That's a big piece that people don't, a lot of guys that want to be big in real estate, they don't understand the power of branding because branding kind of sucks. There's not a clear ROI. You can't sit there and be like, you know, I got a KPI of like, I'm going to, you know, engage with this many people. It doesn't really work that way. It's just like ether, you know, I think this is kind of working maybe. And then like two years later of you just like banging, banging your head against the wall, uh, you're like, oh, wait, people know who I am and they automatically trust me more because people have heard of, of my company. Oh, snap. That's awesome. So it's it's hard to like convince people that branding is a big deal, but it actually is a big deal. And so I helped brand the company and laid a pretty solid foundation with a podcast. And um, we did a lot of local stuff too for branding purposes. Like we had a, a meetup and um, we actually taught other wholesalers how to wholesale and they would uh, beginner wholesalers would actually start bringing their deals to us to partner on and stuff. So it turned into an acquisition strategy and branding was a really big piece of it um, to just get, I mean, we got national, sometimes international um, buyers interested in buying property from us because when they heard of Indianapolis as a market, um, for residential properties, very quickly they ran into simple wholesaling as a trusted wholesale operation because a lot of wholesalers have terrible reputations and that you know people feel like they don't they jack up their prices and all this stuff and we actually were legit and ran numbers as best as we could at trying to keep as much meat on the bone for the end buyers as possible. So because we had you know that brand behind us, I think that really helped to get a lot of people wanting to buy from us versus other people. But yeah, we just kept growing and growing and growing. And, um, you know, we grew to where we were selling 25 to 30 properties a month by the time I left. A large portion of those properties, just like the 80-20 principle is universal, like no matter what, it's it's in the fabric of, of existence. You know, a large portion of the properties that were sold were sold to a couple of turnkey operators. So we got, we knew their criteria, established a relationship with them and probably a good 12 to 15 properties a month were sold to one or two different turnkey operators that were based in Indy. So that really, really helped, but we still had another 15 or so that were just kind of people that bought one or two properties a quarter or a year or what have you. Wow, man. Yeah. Branding is really powerful. And you're like, you're so right about the invisible ROI, but it's, it's huge. It's definitely changed my business. It just takes like six to eight months for you to notice literally anything, but it, yeah. it's super valuable. It's super valuable. So how do you go about automating a business? Cause one of my favorite things about what I've read at the beginning about your bio is that you have a hundred percent totally um, automated your business. So what about like, what do you go? How do you start automating a business, right? Everyone thinks you got to be there. I got to do all these things. How do you end up running it automatic, like from the distance? Well, yeah. So I, I wouldn't say it's, it's on autopilot. I would just say that it's remote because there's, there's still, I probably spend on average at least five to 10 hours a week on my business. So maybe about an hour-ish a day, but I'm not doing crazy volume. Like I'm not doing, you know, I mean, in the beginning of the year, it was a lot more scaled up, but I'm probably going to be sitting around 15 deals or so for the year, 15, 20 deals, probably. It's cool, but it's not, I'm not like doing 15 deals a month. You know, the, the biggest thing is that with the land flipping business, all of your decisions are based on data. So it has absolutely nothing to do with you being there in person. 
even if like we teach people at RA tips that we have a land masterclass and a coaching program and stuff. If people want to get interested in land, land is just an incredible asset class in real estate that nobody talks about. Cause it's not sexy. Like you can't HGTV is never going to have a show about selling dirt. Like it's just not going to happen, but it, you know, all of your information, all your due diligence is all done on a computer screen through websites, counting websites. Um, and what I do is I sell, use land specialized real estate agents to do a lot of the heavy lifting for the disposition side, which is kind of the bottleneck in the land business. Like you constantly have to be putting stuff on Craigslist and Facebook marketplace and doing all these things. Um, but if you use a land specialized agent, you have to get a certain type of property because there has to be enough meat on the bone to justify their commission and keep them motivated. But as long as you're getting the right kind of property and the right agent, they'll go and walk the property for you, do a bunch of due diligence for you. They'll give you the list price and you can say, Hey, I want to sell this property quick. So and land quick is three to six months. It moves slower than other places or other types of real estate rather you know, what do we have to list this for? And then they give me the number that I can reverse engineer it from there and say, oh, okay, then I'm going to have this amount of profit and blah, blah, blah. And then I can take it from there. To answer your question about how do you automate things or how do you get into a situation where you can land business on just a few hours a week, it really boils down to the 80-20 principle, man. If I got any, my wife let me get any tattoos, I would have the 80-20 principle, like the whole 80-20 symbol tattooed on my body. Like that thing is the biggest core value in my life because it just teaches you a way to think. You always want to look for efficiencies. You always want to look everywhere you go, there is uh, leverage points. And if you can recognize them and then you pull that lever, that's how you're going to get an exponential return on investment in any capacity, whether it's like money or time or, or what have you. So just constantly be looking for the 80-20 leverage point that'll serve you well. Wow. Well, let's talk about the 80-20 leverage. But what is, what is the 80-20 rule just simply for other people who have never heard of it before? Yeah. So without getting into like all the history and all that, the 80-20 principle says that 80% results come from 20% of input. Only 20% of your efforts are actually giving you the bulk of return on what you're doing. And the reverse is, is true as well. Like majority of the time we spend 80% on our, our, our time on things that absolutely do not matter. But there's actually a book by a, a guy named Perry Marshall. He's a marketing guy called Sales and Marketing, or 80-20 Sales and Marketing by Perry Marshall. And that book changed my life, man, because a lot of people have heard about the 80-20 principle and they're like, oh yeah, that's, that's nice. But he takes it to a next level because the 80-20 principle is fractal in nature, meaning that it divides within itself. So there are leverage points that aren't 80, 20, like it's like 1%, one to 99. Like there are things that are so powerful that you can do one thing and get an incredible return on investment. If you can learn to recognize it and cultivate it. Um, it also is really interesting because people talk about life and, and justice and fairness, but 80, 20 is real and it, life's not fair. Life's always 80-20. Like the, the original person who uh, discovered the 80-20 principle was an economist who recognized that 80% of the world's wealth belonged to 20% of the population. And it's not hard on necessarily 80 to 20%. It, it could be 90-10, it could be 70-30. But the, the principle is that the majority of output uh, results from a, a small amount of input. And, and so that's at a high level, that's the 80-20 principle. 
Yeah, and it's even observable in, in natural like law as well. Like there, I think one of the other examples is pea plants. Like twenty percent of the pea plants actually produce eighty percent of the crop yield. So it's it's everywhere. Like you said, it's everywhere. just all over the place. Yeah, it's. So. In, I feel like the eighty twenty principle should be like you learn your ABCs in kindergarten and then you learn about the 80-20 principle. Cause it's like, you recognize it, man. That is, that is the difference between the ultra successful, the 1% that everybody talks about and everybody else is that a lot of them aren't smart. A lot of them are really lazy. A lot of them, like they're not the most incredible human beings. They just, they had a leverage point that they recognized and they used it and they got them there. So if you know that, you know, that's super powerful. It's a really good point. So I'm noticing the RE in a block on your on the front of your cap. What is RE Tipster? What do you guys do and what's your mission? At RE Tipster, we're fundamentally a realistic community. That's that's really what we are. Probably 75% of our audience is related to the land business because both me and Seth happen to be in the land business. So we have a natural bias towards that in our content. Um, we're trying to diversify from that though a little bit more. Um, we're trying to, like, I'm actually pursuing apartment syndications. That's why we had Kyle on the show. I'm trying to figure out that world and, and do my first deal and, and um, kind of go in that direction. Just so one that we have more content to, to speak to a wider audience. And also, I also personally think that um, land is probably the best transactional based business model in real estate, in my opinion, but apartment syndications, I feel like are the best passive because of the economies of scale you can make a ridiculous amount of money for doing pretty little actually like just because the numbers are so much bigger so it's a, it's a big deal so that's why i'm going to that there's there's more sophistication and more due diligence and underwriting and a bunch of other stuff that i'm trying to wrap my head around but that's why i'm pursuing that is i feel like they're again 80 20 leverage point i think that that's a, a really big one but going back to our tips there we're fundamentally a realistic community we have a uh, we just launched a forum uh similar to bigger pockets just much more downscaled at this point. We have um, a really active Facebook group. We have some courses and some, like I, I offer coaching services for the land business. We also have a deal finding guide course, which helps people learn the fundamentals of how to find deals and off market deals and work direct to seller, that kind of stuff. But you know, we're, we're definitely, our goal, our purpose is to empower people with, uh, with real estate. And one thing that's pretty amazing, it's kind of an unspoken around our tipster, but we try to make our content so powerful that it's like life-changing content where it's like the last blog post you need to read on the subject. And we never, you know, hit that, but that's what we aspire to. And we have um, kind of a core value of always giving at least 98% of our content away for free. So we don't hold anything back. The only thing you really pay for with our paid products are organization and overcoming the learning curve to be able to have me over your shoulder be like, Hey, do this, 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 and this, you know, and just so that you can get there faster. But all of the information that you need for land or any other subject that we talk about is pretty much already there for free on the blog. So we have a podcast, you have like just shy of 27,000 subscribers on YouTube. Like there's some things happening in there. So it's a lot of fun. That's sorry. Tips there in a nutshell. Wow. Yeah. You guys definitely have a quite a, quite a big following, especially on the podcast. And you've interviewed some of the top people in a lot of different industries. So I guess my next question would be as the host of an RE Tipster podcast, what have you kind of, what are some of the big takeaways that you've had? Um, anything that stands out from guests that you've had on the show? You kind of hinted at it earlier about, you know, you asked me, how do I push through? I think that the biggest takeaway for me and a lot of our guests is 
how much grit comes into play when it comes to success. Like a lot of the guys that are super ultra successful, they're not geniuses. They're, they're not like anything super, you know, over the top. Like they're, it's very, when you start talking to them, they're just like everybody else. Um, but the only difference is they kept going when most people give up. You know, it's hard, especially when you're first starting off. A lot of guys have to work to, you know, they have to work their day job, cover their bases and then you know tired at night they have to work their real estate hustle or they have to you know fill in the blank on, on whatever hustle it is that they're they're going after but that's the biggest key indicator i think is you know ultimately i think the key to success is knowing how to overcome obstacles and uh, and resistance because it feels like almost like life is always trying to be like you really want this really are you sure you want it all right go after it prove it yeah it's a good point have you ever read the book grit by angela duckworth I have it upstairs. I haven't read it though. But oh, you got to read it. She says something about how effort counts twice in the equation of success. Um, so like talent and all that stuff counts, but it only counts once, whereas effort counts twice. So I'm a huge fan of like the whole grit model for sure. I think that's a great point. So let me ask you the question that I ask every guest that comes on the show, which is what advice would you give to a 20 something who is just starting in business or real estate? That is my number one. Like if you're going to walk away with anything from this conversation, 80, 20 principle and learn how to cultivate a really strong gritty work ethic, because those are the two things to, to success. But if there was a third one, I would, I would say humility is a really big deal. Being teachable. A lot of people, they get some success. Um, they see some things happening and all of a sudden they get a big ego and they think that they're like something special when they're not. We're like, we're all going to die. We're all going to end up in the same place. So if I could give any piece of advice uh, outside of those two, it would be cultivate a teachable spirit and don't ever think that of yourself more highly than you ought, because there's something really powerful in that. I don't know what it is, but it's like, I don't know, one of those weird universal principle things where it's like, if you approach a mentor, even if you they don't realize that you know stuff that you do, but you just, you take the humble route. It attracts some incredible opportunities, man. Like it just, people give you the time of day that otherwise they wouldn't. So I like, I feel like I'm here, which kind of sounds anti-humble, but whatever. <laughs> like, I, I feel like I'm here because uh, being teachable and being anti-ego is, uh, has been a pretty big deal in, in my life. So that's what I would say for, especially young guys, especially young guys that are like millennials and the, like for whatever reason, young people, they, they feel like the world owes them something and the world doesn't owe anybody anything. You owe yourself to go out and make it happen. Like don't go, like I've had people, there was one guy on Bigger Pockets that he was like really young. I think he was just graduating high school and he was like asking for advice about how to find a real estate mentor. And so I DM'd him and we had this exchange and I was like, Hey man, I would just, I would literally do anything. Like I would, I, if I, you find somebody who is uh, doing what you want to do, like figure out a way to add value. Even if it's cleaning toilets and taking out the trash in their office and and his response to me was, well, I just, I want to do that, but I don't want to be taken advantage of either. So how do you walk that line? I'm like, bro, be taken advantage of, like, don't know. Like, you don't understand. They have what you want. So go after it. And like, they obviously don't be abused. Like, you know, I'm, I'm speaking in hyperbole right now, but you know, there's a fine line between like taking abuse and being a yes man. Like you definitely have boundaries and, and all that stuff, but you have the air on the side of being overly generous with your time air on that side of like, yeah, I'm, I'm running thin because 
the more you give and the more you take that humble road of like, man, I'll do, you know, I have a, an uncle figure right now that's helping me to learn like construction stuff and renovate. I just bought a triplex that we're going to be house hacking. And one of the things that I love about his culture, he's, he's a Latino, he's like half Mexican, but he's very much like entrenched in Mexican culture and stuff. And something that I really value about their culture is that they don't have ego. Like you don't see Mexicans begging on the street, looking for a handout. Like they'll go to Home Depot. They'll say, Hey, I'll do your roof. I'll do whatever it takes. They just have that that hustle, you know, that grit that they're willing to do anything to make sure that they make ends meet. And I just love that, that hustle culture, man. And the lowly road of, you know, I'm not too big for any, any work or any project. You know, I, I just really love that. So. Yeah. There's a bunch of different things I want to say. I guess the, the number one thing I'd say is like water does pool to the lowest place. Have you ever heard that? Like below, that's where the ocean is. That's where all the water goes. Yeah, ah, I love that. that. That's so good. That's yeah. really good. And then the other one would be like, I just read Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. And he talks a lot about how when you think you're super good at something, you suck, you can't, you can't improve. And eventually you start sucking at it. So like, you have to say, I'm not that good at this thing so that I can keep getting better at it. Cause like you said, eventually, you know, you start telling yourself all this, these nonsense stories and then you're behind everybody. Yeah. I've heard really good stories about that book. I need to, it's on my list. I actually have like a Trello board of books I need to read. So well, get on that. That was, that was definitely a good one. Um, that was definitely a good one. And then even like a biblical one at the end here was just, you know, what do you have that has not been given to you? Uh, that's another good one. You'll find that everything's been given to you. So yeah, it's uh, just a really humbling experience for sure. So my last little thing here would be, where can people find you if they want to reach you on the internet? Yeah, man. So I have a couple of projects going on actually. Obviously, Ari Tipster, Jaren at AriTipster.com. Um, but I'm also as a passion project, I've started working with a, a profit first company that teaches real estate investors how to implement profit first in their business. If you've never heard about profit first, um, profit first by Mike McCallowitz is one of the most foundational books I've ever read in my life. And it, and I read it like, you know, just last year or this year actually. So like, you know, 28 years in, I really wish that I read that book in like when I was 12, because it would have saved me so much trouble. It's essentially a way to manage your money for like normal people and entrepreneurs that are not like, you know, in the, in the book, he refers to like accountant types as like Spock's, you know, love spreadsheets and all that stuff. And that was a big missing piece in my personal success and my financial success. I knew how to make money and I had kind of worked my craft and learning the land business, but managing money and managing the books and running a business is like a different skill set. And you can also find us, we have a private Facebook group that you can join profit first for real estate investors. So uh, you can come say hi there. Also the RE Tipster forum. That's another one that's like really popping right now. It's growing like leaps and bounds and it's a lot of fun. It's really cool to see like people engage and it's a lot less noisy than bigger pockets right now. So there's a lot of value. I, I, obviously I love bigger pockets. I'm a huge fan, but they are very noisy and there's a lot going on over there. So I like kind of the quieter, like, Hey, I actually can be heard and recognized here. This is cool. You know? So I definitely would check out retipster.com forward slash forum. Awesome, man. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. Thank you so much for the opportunity.